Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Three Ball. I am your host, Samuel or Sem. In today's podcast, we are going to be doing the Indiana Pacers off-season guide. If y'all don't know how these off-season guides work, basically, I just use what the team's outlook looks look at, looks like based on players, contracts, and picks, and then ba- and then I use their player personnel to give them advice on what they should do, what should they, what or what they should aim to do in the upcoming offseason. And the order that we're doing teams in is for the teams that did not make the playoffs, worst record to best record, and for the teams that did make the playoffs, time that the team got eliminated. So, for example, the Los Angeles Lakers would be towards the end because they just recently got eliminated. So, I think we're just going to go ahead and dive right into this, not waste no time. There were no games last night, which is kind of sad. That's a near future, but we'll get there when we get there. So, for the Indiana Pacers... I'm putting up, for those of you watching this on YouTube, I'm putting up a spreadsheet screenshot right now. For those of you just listening, I will explain it to you. So the point guard position you have, or at least this is the depth chart, so I'm going to explain depth chart and, you know, contract length. So the point guard position, they have Tyrese Halliburton, who's on a one-year deal before he's a restricted free agent. Behind Halliburton is TJ McConnell, who has two years left on his contract. Behind McConnell's Andrew Nimhard. He has three years left with a team option on one of those. The behind Nimhard is George Hill, who's a free agent this offseason. Starting at shooting guard is Andrew Nimhard. We already talked about him. Behind Nimhard is Chris Duarte, who has two years left, including a team option before he gets restricted for agency. Behind Duarte is Buddy Heald, who has one year left. But Buddy Heald is actually also starting at small forward, so we won't talk about him. Behind him is Ben Dick Matherin. He has three years left, including a couple of team options before restricted for agency. Behind Matherin is O'Shea Brissett. He's a free agent this offseason. And behind Brissett is Aaron Neesmith, who has one year left before he's a restricted free agent. And Neesmith is also starting a power forward. And then back at power forward, Jordan Nwora, who has one year left on his contract. Behind Nwora is Jalen Smith. He has two years left, including a player option on the second year. Behind Smith is Isaiah, is Isaiah Jackson. He has two years left, including a team option before restricted free agency. And then behind him is James Johnson, who's a free agent this offseason. Starting at center is Miles Turner. He has two years left on his deal. Then behind him is Isaiah Jackson. We already talked about him. And then Jalen Smith. We already talked about him. And the last player at center behind Jalen Smith is Daniel Tice. He has two years left, including a team option. So that is what the offseason is looking like for the Indiana Pacers, at least death chart-wise. Their salary cap table for next year, and when I say salary cap table, just know I mean let if, if they accept all team options and they just let the players walk, they don't bring any, in any free agents, this is what that salary cap might look like. Miles Turner would make $21 million, Buddy Hill would make 19 Daniel Tice and TJ McConnell making 9 apiece, Benedict Matherin making 7 Tyrese Halliburton making 6 Aaron Neesmith making 6 Jameis Smith making 5 Chris Duarte 4 Jordan Wara and Isaiah Jackson, three. And then Andrew Nimhard, two, for a grand total of $94 million. And then the projected salary cap is at about $134 million, which would leave the team with $40 million in projected cap room. And then luxury tax is projected to be 162 meaning they'll have about $68 million in projected luxury tax room, but that's not considering bringing in draft picks. But even bringing in draft picks won't cost more than like $10 million, so that would still give them $30 million to spend in free agency. Speaking of first-round picks, this year they have three of them. They have their own at number seven. 
They have Cleveland's at number 26, and that comes from the Karis LeVert trade. And they have Boston's at number 29, which comes from the Malcolm Brogdon trade. And then in years 2024 through 2000, through 2029, the only first-round picks the Pacers have are their own. They don't have any other ones, but they have all of theirs. I think that's most of the logistical stuff that I wanted to touch on for this Indiana roster. I'm now going to move on to more player personnel. This last year for Indiana really wasn't that bad for a team that wasn't great on paper. They started the season really, really well. They were one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. They started struggling towards the second half of the year, which it's kind of unsurprising once the teams start to get a little more competitive that the less competitive teams start to, you know, become more apparent and start losing a little bit more often. So that's not super surprising to me. But it's a good sign that you were good in the first half. It shows that you can win with some of these players. Like I said, this upcoming draft, they have three first-round picks, 7, 26, and 29, and they could use them on either a good— in my opinion, they can use them on a good forward or guard depth because they have good starting guards. They have good depth bigs, but they don't really have the other way around. Like I said, like what I mean by that is they have starting guards that I think you're confident in, and you have backup bigs that you're confident in, but you don't really have starting forwards that you're super— solidified, you know, you're super sold on, and you don't really have backup guards that you're super sold on, so it's, maybe you try to get that forward with that first one, and get the guard with the second one. With the seventh overall pick, they'll have plenty of options for a forward. You have guys like Cam Whitmore, Asar Thompson, and Taylor Hendricks who could play small forward, and then Jairus Walker, a power forward. I mean, all these forwards could slide in. Personally, my the, the the player that I would advise him to draft is Jairus Walker. He's more of that bruising, power forward, small forward. He can shoot it a little bit. I think he would work really, really well with this roster. So with that seventh overall pick, I would look to target Jairus Walker. That being said, I don't know if they will. I would advise targeting one of those players. I think Whitmore would be gone, and I think Thompson could be gone. There's a chance that Walker is gone. With the seventh overall pick, right, you're, you're looking at guys like they're going to be off the board. Victor, Scoot, Brandon Miller, Amen Thompson. After that, it could kind of go any way. Five is Detroit. I think they might take Whitmore. Six, like my, my, my mock draft would say Whitmore five, Asar Thompson six. That would leave Jairus Walker ready for Indiana at seven. So that's what I think they should do is take Jairus Walker if he's there. If he's not, Taylor Hendrick can even... I think, he, I think he's pretty tall. He could probably play the four. That may not be a bad selection. But if they do draft a small forward, then Ben McMatherin may have less opportunity, and I don't think you want to st- sort of stunt his growth. But he could even play the two if necessary. But I'll, I really like Andrew Nembhard. I'll get to talking about him later. And with that 23rd and that 29th pick, maybe you could target a backup guard to give Halliburton and Nembhard some consistent relief. Not that TJ McConnell and Chris Duarte are bad, Maybe they're not the type of guys you're looking for to fit in long-term. That, that's just my take on it. Speaking of those guys, Halliburton and Nimhard, both of them had very solid seasons this year. I think that these are two guards that you know you can work with and you can have long-term, especially Halliburton, obviously. He was incredible this season. But I think that Nimhard, I mean, obviously he was very solid for the 35th, 31st overall pick, but I really like Andrew Nimhard. I think he was really, really good this year, and I, I really like his game. I like it a lot. Um, this past year, Tyrese Halliburton specifically, he averaged about 21 points a game, 
which is pretty that's pretty good about 10 and a half assist almost while shooting at 49 percent from the field 40 percent from three just a really really good season from Tyrese Halliburton and he he proved to be a guy you could build around 100 percent he proved to be a guy you could build around that being said I don't know if he's the best player on a championship type of roster if he's a number two guy I think you're really really happy though if he's a number two guy I think you're Super happy, but he could be one if you surround him with the right pieces. And maybe it may have to be mo- a more by committee attack, but if it's by committee, Tyrese Halliburton is like the perfect player to lead that committee. Tyrese Halliburton, he's a really good player. Uh, he can get his contract extended this summer, Halliburton. I think that he probably will get it extended. And if he does, I would expect either a, a max contract or a near max contract for a guy, for a guy like Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, if you, if you just look at everything he's done in Sacramento, Indiana, he's earned it. He's been incredible. I think he's earned a max or close to that. And I would 100% expect a contract extension this offseason. And if one isn't worked out, I'll be sort of surprised, honestly. Just because Tyrese Halliburton has... I, 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 from from what it looks like, he he's not a player who, you know, wants more than he feels, you know, not not a greedy player almost. Maybe, like, I don't know how to put this. Maybe what I'm trying to say is he really likes Sacramento, right? There's not many players who like, oh, yeah, I love Sacramento, you know? I don't want to leave here. That was him. And if he's like that in Sacramento, I can only imagine that he's feeling the same sort of way in Indiana where he is the best player. Because in Sacramento, he was number two, bro. He was playing the shooting guard next to De'Aaron Fox, and he was not the guy there. And he really liked it. And then he comes to Indiana. I'm sure he still likes it. He's that number one option. I'm sure he likes it. I'm sure he he would definitely be willing to put pen to paper. And I'm sure that the team is going to make that a priority because he's a very, very good basketball player. And like I said, if you're leading a by-committee approach eventually, like this is multiple years on the line, if you get to a point where you can lead a by-committee or he's the second-best player on a, on a really good team, I think you're really, really happy. Now I'm going to move on to Andrew Nimhard. I really like Andrew Nimhard's game, as I've said. He averaged 9.5 points, 4.5 assists this past year in about 28 minutes a game. 44% from the field, 35% from three. Maybe you want that to improve, but that's actually pretty solid efficiency for a rookie. I've talked about this before. When it comes to rookies, I don't expect high efficiency because they're just trying to find their footing in the NBA. As I've said, three-point lines deeper. Your role has completely changed on whatever team you're on. You're going from being the best player, likely, likely the best player on a college team, to not being that on an NBA roster. And then you also have better defenders. There's just so much stuff that makes basketball so much harder at the NBA level. So a good like efficiency like this, it's not bad. I'm, I'm, I think that's a good sign. And Nimhar was consistent all year. He played well from start to finish this season. He started 63 out of the 76 games he played. That's some really, really good. 75 games he played, sorry. That's some really, really good stats. I think you're pleased with what you got out of Andrew Nimhar. The other rookie this season was Bending Matherin. And this season, he had a really good year. He had a really good year. Through the first 18 games of the year, though, he was averaging 19.4 and looked like a bona fide rookie of the year candidate. But he ended up finishing the season averaging about 16.7, four rebounds. Not bad. Not bad at all, which is very good. Like, if you can get 16.7 out of the bench piece, you're very happy. I don't expect him to be a bench piece for very long. If he's not starting next year, I would honestly be kind of surprised. Personally, I I think he should start 
I think he's earned it. And maybe if you don't do well when he's starting, then you move him back to a bench role. I think he should definitely be given some starter opportunity because this year it was really limited for him. He he played 78 games, but he only started 17. That's not a lot. So I think he should be given more starting opportunities. And another thing about Benjamin Matherns, I really, really like his confidence. I, I, I really do. I like with the I like the poise he plays with. I know he's coming after LeBron and all that type of stuff, but I actually like that. Like, there's a limit you can you can go with that sort of competitive nature, right? We've seen it before. You can being competitive is not a bad thing. It's just when that competitiveness gets the best of you. And I don't think it's gotten the best of Ben Math yet. I think he's fine. I love his confidence. I think that you need to pour into him, invest into him, because he has star potential. He showed it this year. That, like I said, at the beginning of the year, he was absolutely phenomenal. You'd want his shooting splits to increase. He's about 43% from the field, about 32% from three. You'd probably want that to increase, especially since he's shooting the second most shots on the team. But he's averaging third most shots on the team. Sorry. He's averaging the fourth most points on the team. But bar- he's barely behind Buddy Heald. It's not by much. He's like literally 0.1 points behind Buddy Heald. But he's shooting just a little bit, little bit less than Heald, I think. Maybe more, a little bit less than Neil. Maybe he gets to the line a little, probably gets to the line a little bit more. I can actually fact check. I don't know why I'm going on this rant, but I am. Yeah, he shoots. Yeah, he definitely shoots more if he doesn't buddy yield. But uh, I, like I said, I love Ben Math's confidence. You need to develop him as much as you can because he's a, he looks to be a really, really good player. And and these three pieces, the Halliburton, Nimhard, and Matherin guys, I think that these are the guys who are, you can say are quote-unquote safe for now. I think that these are the guys that You'd be like, okay, I doubt we trade these guys this offseason. It would take a really good offer for us to trade them. And Nimpard would probably be the one they would be most willing to move on from, but I don't think they would. I think he showed some really good signs to be either a, you know, a, a good starting piece or a really efficient backup down the line in, in the future. He could even develop into something more. Desmond Bain, like I always bring up the Grizzlies, I know. Desmond Bain put up pretty similar stats to what Nimpard did in, in his rookie year, and then his second year he took off. So I think that Nimhard could potentially be on that track, and if you can get that out of Andrew Nimhard, you're going to be really, 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 really happy. I don't, I don't think you'd get that just because of the way Nimhard plays, but there's obviously, there's obviously a shot. Um, back to what I was saying about these three guys being safe. I think all the other pieces on this team could be moved, or you know, if if, ne- if, if necessary, the team could be like, hey, we don't need him anymore. I think we're willing to, you know, sort of move on. I think that that is doable. Most of the guys on this team are on one or two year contracts. The only guys who aren't are Nimhard and Matherin, and you you like both of those guys long term. So everyone else is on a one or two year deal, which is actually really good. It allows for a lot of team freedom. I've always talked about it. How it's always nice to have the potential to pivot the roster if necessary. If the right player comes to the team, or if the right opportunity for a trade comes, it's nice to be able to shift the direction of the team, if possible. So it's nice to have guys on short deals at times. Obviously, you want some guys locked up longer. It's it's sort of a balance. But right now, I think you're happy with it. The free agents this offseason for Indiana include George Hill, O'Shea Brissett, and James Johnson. I'll be very surprised if George Hill or James Johnson is back on this roster for any reason other than mentor, men, mentoring some of these younger players. Respectfully, Hill or they are um, Hill is 37 and... Uh, Johnson's 36, so I mean, they obviously do not fit the timeline, so the only reason that they would be back on this Pacers roster 
is to mentor some of these younger pieces, which isn't a bad idea. It's always nice to have some veterans in the locker room who've had so, at least a little. Uh, George Hill's had some playoff success, probably at one one point or another. He's been around the league so long. James Johnson's probably in a similar boat. Um, O'Shea Brissett is different. He's somewhat complicated. His role has consistently decreased. His rookie is not his rookie season. His first year in Indiana. He, he averaged 11 points in 24 minutes in his second year. Last year, he averaged 9 points in 23 minutes. And then this year, that decreased even more to 6 points in 17 minutes. And I, that, I say this all the time. Losing minutes is not a good sign for a young piece. It's not a good sign. And especially like this, right, where when you lose 6 minutes from 23, in theory, you would only lose a quarter of those points. He's losing a little bit more than that. So his, you know, his productivity is also decreasing, which is not great. If you look at his shooting splits, they're pretty they're pretty miserable, to be honest with you. But he's about 38.5% from the field and about 31% from three. They're pretty bad, which is not a good sign for Brissett. So I don't I personally I don't expect I don't expect him to be back either. Because this team, this Indiana team, they have three first round picks and they have two second round picks. The second round picks obviously could be moved. But they have five picks in this year's draft. You need to have room for those players. You need to have opportunity to give them minutes, and really the only way you're going to be able to give them minutes is if you open up that opportunity, if you open up that roster slot, and O'Shea Brissett may have to go in order to open up that slot. Um, some of the older guys on this roster who could also be traded or let, maybe let go, maybe cut, I doubt it, but there's a shot for it. Some of the quote-unquote older I put a quote-unquote because one of these guys is not very old. Or uh, Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, Daniel Tyson, TJ McConnell, all of whom are making pretty large sums of money, especially when you look at the rest of the roster. Miles Turner isn't actually that old. He's actually only like 26, 27. He's just been in Indiana so long, it feels like he's old because he's just been there for literally like centuries, it feels like. Um, Turner trades, like this, on, on the topic of Miles Turner, Miles Turner trades have been like, rumored for like forever bro I, I don't remember when there was a trade deadline where it's not like oh miles turner could be traded i feel like it's every single year miles turner's name is thrown in thrown in as a potential guy who could be traded and honestly this year he probably increased his own value he had a really really good season he averaged 18 points seven and a half rebounds and he still averaged 2.3 blocks which is actually yeah, I, I'm not looking at his career stats, but I'm pretty sure it's a little bit of a decrease from what he normally gets, but that's okay because he's still doing really good defensively but in the, and the team's not as good, so it doesn't matter. I mean, what, whatever, I don't, I don't know where I'm getting at with that one. But the, the points and rebounds are career highs for Turner. I think if there's any time to trade him, it's now. He's on a two-year contract. You're going to get the most out of him now versus next year when he's on a one-year deal. If you're going to trade him, I think that I mean, this is this like that. This conversation has been going on forever, so I, I think if there's any time to trade him, it is now. That that being said, though, I don't think he'll be wearing a different uniform at the start of next year because the center depth on this roster is not good. It simply put, is not good. So unless a center is either brought back in a Miles Turner trade, or they draft one, or they get one in free agency, then it's probably not worth trading Miles Turner because I don't think you want Isaiah Jackson or Jalen Smith starting at center next year. I don't think that's what you want. So unless like that, unless I get a different center, I'm expecting Miles Turner to be wearing uh, the blue and yellow again next season. Um, 
Daniel Tice is the next guy I want to talk about. He, at this point, he's probably a negative asset, which isn't really good. He's paid $9 million for seven basketball games this season, which is kind of crazy. He was paid over a million dollars for every single game he played, which, I mean, if you think about some of these bigger guys' contracts, like a Steph Curry, he makes like $500,000 per game. <laughs> kind of kind of crazy when you say it like that, isn't it? But I, I think the Tice could be waived. I think he's ex- he's no, he's definitely expendable. I don't think you really want him taking up a roster spot. Um, I like I said, not much to say about Daniel Tice. I, I, I don't advise bringing him back, or I would advise cutting him. I know it might cost you some money, but it's like, oh well, you have tons of cap space. Chances are you're not going to get a big free agent. Just make a roster spot for a younger for a younger guy who can come in and just be more effective. And maybe you do bring back a George Hill or James Johnson for mentorship instead of Daniel Tice. But I don't even think Daniel Tice is extremely old. He's he's thirty. Okay, he's a little bit he's a little bit older, but he's not super old. Um, and then T.J. McConnell, he's at sort of in a similar boat as Tice, but I think he's he's a hundred percent better than Tice. He's a very solid backup point guard. He just doesn't fit the timeline. He's a really good passer, and this year he actually had a career high on points at eight point seven. He averaged five point three assists, forty four percent from three. He didn't shoot many, but he made a lot of them, and he shot about fifty four percent from from the field. So, I mean, TJ McConnell's definitely a piece who some teams would be interested in if it's not Indiana. So maybe you could trade him and try to get some value. Buddy Heald, the last quote-unquote older guy, he'll be a free agent next offseason, and I doubt that Indiana will rush to re-sign him. It, may be, it might be a situation where it's like, okay, we're not going to prioritize re-signing you, but if it's cheap enough, we'll look into it. That's what I think would be happening. But I Personally, I think that he would be valuable to some other teams. He's going to be more of that veteran type of shooter. I think he'll be pretty, really, pretty, pretty. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I think he'll have a fairly decent market. You know, a team that might honestly work as a team like the Lakers. That was rumored back in Sacramento, I know. But maybe next year the Lakers have more money. They're willing to go get Buddy Heald, who can come in and just shoot the ball really efficiently. This past season, Buddy Heald shot 42%, 40, 42.5% from three. On 8.5 attempts a game, which is pretty. I mean, that that's some. Those are some pretty good stats. That he averaged about 16.8 for the entire season. So he actually had a really good year. So I think that you would. I I think this year you look for some buddy heel trades. I think you might get a little bit of interest because he's on that one year deal. Teams may may be like, oh, we don't have to give up as much. So maybe you sh- you should not be expecting a big return. But if you tr- if you do end up trading buddy healed, that's going to either open up. Some some minutes for your new draft pick or for Ben McMatherin. Trading him, although you may not get a big return, you might get a first round pick. You may not get a big return, but you may get more opportunity for some of the younger guys that you would be more invested in than a guy like Buddy Heald. So I think that would be a decision that Indiana will need to make. Look to trade him if it doesn't happen. Oh well. Uh, the Pacers have they have a log jam of big men that they need to sort out. Um, I doubt that they can all be invested in or will turn out. And those guys I'm, that I'm referencing are Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith, Aaron Neesmith, and Jordan Nwora. Personally, my favorite out of this bunch is honestly Jordan Nwora. He's only 24 years old. And since coming over from Milwaukee, he averaged 13 for this Pacers team. He averaged 13, about five rebounds, shot at 47.6% from the field, 42.2 for, from three. Really good efficiency. I would explore contract extension for Jordan Jordan Nawara this offseason. Because after after this year, he's an unrestricted free agent. 
and he some team will want him. I think you work on a contract extension now. I really like Jordan. Jordan, his name always gets me confused. I really like Jordan Wara. I think you make make an effort to bring him back. Aaron Neesmith, he also finally showed some good signs this year because playing in playing in Boston honestly probably hindered his development. But he was once he got to Indiana, he was given proper opportunity, and this year he was really good. He averaged about ten points and four rebounds in twenty five minutes. He actually had a pretty good season. I think you're fairly happy with it. Uh, like I said, coming over from Indiana or from Boston, he wasn't given much opportunity. He was finally given opportunity to play in Indiana, and he did good with it. He showed that he can be a valuable piece. I think you also look into a contract extension for him. He will be your a restricted free agent next offseason, so you can bring him back fairly easily, which is nice. But I would look into a contract extension. Next guy is Jalen Smith, and I thought that he was going to be really good this year. Since after being traded from Phoenix to Indiana last year, he was really good. He was really, really, really good. He looked like he could be a bona fide starter, valuable piece. But that, that really just simply put wasn't the case. He started almost half the games for Indiana this year. Almost half. 31 out of like, what was that? 31 out of 68 it looked like for Jalen Smith. Yes, 31 out of 68 games he played. He started. But this year he declined to 9 points and about 6 rebounds. Whereas last year... When he was in Indiana, he averaged 13-8. and eight. So, yeah, definitely decreasing a little bit. He has a player option, so, I mean, he could leave next year. So maybe you should explore trade for Jalen Smith. I know he just got traded, but it's been a year and a half. You can trade a player however, however, much as you, however much you want. I would look into a trade, potentially, but I don't know if Smith would accept that option or not. It's for $5 million. I think you gauge what he's thinking this offseason. Maybe you just go up to Smith and say, hey, Jalen, what are you thinking about your contract? What are you thinking about your player option? Just, you know, sort of try to sort of try to get a gauge on it. It's about $5 million. So it just depends if he's looking, if, if he thinks he can get more than $5 million or not. I would expect him to probably decline it. Maybe he can go get more money elsewhere. Who knows? I think that that'll be, that'll be an interesting decision next season for Jalen Smith. And then the last player is Isaiah Jackson. And he's sort of tough because, right, he's like a defensive-minded big who can't really shoot. His points went down this year while his minutes went up, which isn't great. His efficiency is, like, eerily the same. This year is very, very, like, almost identical last year. So I, I that's really not a good sign. I think he sort of is what he is. He's going to be a solid backup who could come in and give you how many minutes did he play per, per game this year. He played about 16 and a half minutes a game. He can come in, give you 15 minutes, give you some good run at center, give you some good run at power forward, play defense, dunk the ball. That's really all. That's about all he can do. He's sort of the most confusing piece on this roster because, like I said, he's sort of in this weird middle ground between not good and off the roster and, oh, this is the guy we're investing in. He's sort of in this weird middle ground. A lot of these players are. I think Nawar has moved up. I think Neesmith's on the border of moving up. I think Smith is... Probably below Jackson, to be honest with you. I, I, I like Isaiah Jackson more than Jalen Smith. If, I, if I'm being brutally honest with you, that's just what I, I that's just what I think. So I think he's sort of the one in the middle. It's sort of weird. Worst case, I mean, he just leaves a, as a restricted free agent in two years, right? That's the worst case. That's the worst thing that can happen. And if that happens, you're sort of like, oh, well. And then the last player on this Indiana roster to talk about is Chris Duarte. And he took a step back this year. He had a really, really good rookie year, but he took a step back. His points, his efficiency, his minutes, and most of his other stats decreased. 
And plus, he's actually about to turn 26 years old. He was a really, really old rookie coming out of Oregon. So maybe if you go draft a guard, you don't exactly need Chris Duarte's services. So maybe you trade him on draft night. Maybe you trade him this offseason. I don't know what you do. Because if you draft a guard, you're going to want to give him opportunity. And if you still have TJ McConnell and Chris Duarte, it might be sort of difficult to give them proper opportunity. We'll, we'll see what they do. It'll be interesting. But I think a Chris Duarte trade should definitely be entertained. But I don't know if they'll pull the trigger on it. And that's most of the stuff that I wanted to initially talk about for this Pacers roster. In recap, um, they need to look to target a good forward or backup guards in this year's draft. Like I said, I think Jairus Walker would be the perfect piece for this team. You want to get a forward or backup guard who could come in and just add to the young core. You don't want anyone who takes minutes away from some of these other guys who aren't as good. So make sure you draft guys that you're confident in that can come in and not take minutes from other players while also being really, you know, it's sort of tough what I'm trying to say. You're, you're gonna, whatever player you draft is going to need minutes, right? And they're going to take minutes away from someone. You want to make sure that those extra minutes you're giving to that player are better than the minutes you're taking away. Simplistically, that's just how basketball works in, in general, right? You give minutes to the players who play better. That's just how it goes normally. Another offseason goal that they need to have is to extend Tyrese Halliburton, since he's the current franchise guy, and look in the contract extensions for others guy for other guys, such as Jordan Nwora or Aaron Neesmith. Then you need to figure out what to do with O'Shea Brissett and unrestricted free agency. You need to figure out what to do with him. Uh, they also need to work con- to continue developing their young pieces that you're really invested in. And the only guys, like I said, I think that you should be really invested in are Matherin and Neesmith and, and Nimbard. If Nimbard doesn't have a good year next year, I don't know if he's really going to get much better. I hope he does because I'm a huge Andrew Nimbard guy. I hope he's really good in this league. The only problem is he is a little bit on the older side. He's already 23, which is kind of ridiculous. I think that he's the same age as Aaron Neesmith. That's that's kind of crazy because he just came in the league, but whatever. Benedict Matthew, I think I think he showed some really good signs. You've got to continue to develop him. I think he's going to be a stud in this league. And the last thing you need to decide which of the big men it's your which which of the big men you're more invested in. And when I say big men, I mean Nwora. These are more forwards: Nwora, Neesmith, Jackson, Smith. You need to decide which of those four you're more invested in, and which of those to give more minutes to, less minutes to, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's only so many. There's only so many minutes to go around. You need to sort of divvy up those as best as possible, and if one player is not going to get any, maybe look to trade them. So that's most of what I want to talk about for the Indiana Pacers. Tomorrow should be the Washington Wizards, so make sure to tune in for that. Thank you all so much for listening, and until next time, I'm out.